0: Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 45. Opportunities created through authenticity. As the creator and host of NHTV, Nola Haynes has a level of determination mixed with a little southern spice, which makes her a prime target for success. She shares how her academia, as well as the commitment to be authentically and unapologetically who she is, continues to open up new and exciting pathways. Nola's spirit and drive puts her in a league of her own. Without further ado, we present to you, Nola Haynes. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today, I have the beautiful, talented, uh, amazing, multifaceted entrepreneur, academic. She's smart. She has... Working on a PhD um, at USC. We all know that school. Go Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> and you did you, you did your master's at UCLA or? Undergrad. I undergrad. did my master's at Harvard. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> master's at Harvard. Undergrad <laughs> at UCLA. She's from New Orleans. Presenting Nola Haynes. Hey. <laughs> How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you? I'm doing
0: excellent. Thank you. And um, so you kind of have a lot going on right now.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: We were talking before we began recording. Um, you you are currently a PhD student mm-hmm. here at USC. That's where we are today. We're at USC campus. Um, you have a talk show. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's called NHTV.
1: Nola Haynes TV.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep. And on this talk show, you interview entrepreneurs, movers and shakers, artists, activists, cooking. Is there, There's traveling or something, too, I think, in there? Or?
1: Well, okay, so every season has a theme. Okay. So last season, it was cooking with uh, chefs of color. Huh. So that was the whole whole theme of last uh, last season. We had a lot of fun. A lot of fun, and I actually tasted a green champagne for the first time in my life. Yeah, the green chef, champagne. green champagne, Chef uh, Lauren Va- Vanderpool. She made a organic green champagne, and we had a great time on set. That,
0: that sounds like Dr. Seuss or <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham, Green Champagne. Yeah. And, okay. Well, I don't drink. I, I'm sure it was good.
1: It was good, and I'm sorry that you don't. I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm from New Orleans. I mean, it's kind of like my birthright. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right.
0: Um, speaking of New Orleans, mm-hmm. well, okay, I'm getting ahead. Okay. My, my brain tends to work kind of fast. Who is Nola Haynes?
1: Ooh, who is Nola Haynes? I am a, um, a very proud Southern woman. Mm-hmm. I always start there. Um, my roots are very important to me, anyone who knows me. It's actually a, w- a running joke, actually, at this point, how much I rely on my Southern roots. Um, but it's very important to me. It is my foundation. It is um, where I discovered my identity, not just in terms of um, being a Southerner, obviously, but as a Black person, you know, being in a born and raised in a Black space, it is... A different type of way of existing in the world, and when you come outside of that space, it's vastly different because the rest of the world does not look like that. So, i I've been able to to, to take that with me, and also incorporate this very strong this strong connection to identity and representation. You know, who gets to tell stories? Why are these people telling stories? Can anyone tell stories? So it's about who gets to talk about people that look like me that have similar experiences Mm. that I have. So who I am, I heard this great term in um, the documentary about James Baldwin that he was a witness to things. He wasn't necessarily the person on the front lines, but he witnessed it. Mm. And he reported on it, you know, and his form of reporting was obviously, um, through the written word. So in many ways, as a scholar, I am a witness of sorts, but that's all very evidence-based and very, you know, technical. But as a creative, Nola, as a creative, I get to be that witness, you know, in, in a less restrained way. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I get to participate, you know, with people, um, who have these amazing journeys and narratives. So it's it's this deep connection that I have to the black community writ large. And when I say writ large, I mean diaspora and everything, who are telling our stories. And that's really what motivates me with all of this. Right,
0: yeah. right. And it's important, uh, I always say that, especially for African-American descent, uh, we need to control our own narrative. Absolutely, And we need to hear more of our stories because so often we don't, which is the reason why I created this yes. podcast and platform because the other thing, a lot of us don't think that we're capable of leading or doing great things. Right. We think it's reserved just for someone that's elite or people that have a lot of money and I think a lot of it has to do with what you just intimated, that we don't hear enough of our own stories.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's, it's interesting you say that, the whole part about money. <laughs> I started in HTV. I graduated from Harvard and couldn't find a job. Wow. I was interviewing, but, I, well, I mean, I wasn't getting a paycheck. So, so hold on. <laughs> okay. You
0: you graduated from Harvard with mm-hmm. a master's degree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As soon as you get out, unemployment.
1: Uh, you, well, Well, so, I, there was a position that was sort of waiting for me at UCLA, but something happened. Okay. And then, you know, once something happens and you have to start looking around for other options Mm -hmm. and once I started looking around for other options it wasn't easy
0: so uh, mentally how how did you maneuver through that because I'm sure there was you you may have been a little distraught um I don't know if you beat yourself up or not but were you I don't know what's the word were you a little jaded or were you um did you want to give up? Like, how did you move beyond that? Because there are a lot of people out there that may have a similar experience, experience, excuse me, and they might quit. Mm-hmm. They might. So what? what is your story in terms oh, no, of that? No,
1: she does not do that. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. No, not from New um, Orleans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, honestly, this, this may sound a tad bit cliche, but it really was my creative in me that propelled me right that kept me sane that kept me focused so out of that out of that kind of weird gray space Mm -hmm. and 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 the questions that you asked i I wasn't jaded or any of those things i was confused Mm. (laughs) i was really confused because things like i would interview an interview would go really well but for whatever reason i wouldn't get the the position um and then it would be a situation. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go s- maybe sign up for a temporary agency or something like that. And then they're looking at my my resume and my CV. They're like, um, you might be a tiny bit overqualified <laughs> to, you mm. know, be, you know, be with our agency. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I, you know, I took that and I listened to that feedback. But I was really confused about having good, strong interviews and second interviews and third interviews, but I wasn't quite landing the job. And that was the part that was confusing because coming out of Boston, Mm -hmm. that was not my problem at all. I actually had a really good job lined up, but unfortunately my mom got really ill. So I had to come back to LA. And so that was the part that was just so weird, you know, coming from a space where if with my background, I'm going to have a great job, right? I'm going to have a great career. And then coming to LA and it not being the same, mm-hmm. that was an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long did it take you to land something?
1: I want to say it was something like maybe six months to a year. if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, I, I'm sometimes I'm not that great with uh, time, but it, yeah. It took I, a while. I
0: just wanted to get a general idea cuz uh I run across several people friends they tend to get discouraged, you know, they go 6 months, a year looking for right. employment, they don't land it. They start, man, I it's something mm-hmm. wrong with me, mm-hmm. is it?
1: Oh, yes.
0: You you know what?
1: I, oh, absolutely. I mean, it it messes with you. I mean, here's the thing. There 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 was this hashtag that was trending on Twitter the other day that said it was UCLA HBCU I think Mm -hmm. and it was so interesting to see the conversation around it because the idea being is that we are a very small group at UCLA but it's a critical enough mass 3% is not critical mass in any regard um, to where it feels like an HBCU as a Bruin I understand where they were going but not quite and the reason why I bring that up is because we struggle in these spaces, you know, we struggle in these private or public white institutions. Right. So you're already coming out of these spaces with some level of trauma, even though you could have had an amazing experience. And I had a great experience at UCLA. I loved it. I had a great experience at Harvard. I loved it. There were a few moments, but I loved it overall. Um, So you're already coming out of a situation where you have to prove your worth constantly. right? Right. And so then you got into, you get out into the real world and you're like, this still isn't enough. Right. So that, of course, it's going to mess with you. It's going to question your, your self-worth. You're going to doubt yourself. However, that creative energy inside of me is what helped me stay focused. Mm. And fitness. Fitness is important. Mm. So um fitness is very important to me. And the creative side of me, I had no idea just how much I needed that balance, just how much I needed to step outside of the academy for a little while Mm -hmm. so while i was in that space trying to figure out what my next move was going to be i was thinking through nhtv i was able to lean on some friends from back in the day when i was an actress to help me think through nhtv and put it together and then i at that same time i was like okay this is probably the best time for me to apply to phd
0: okay a little while ago before we started this podcast we we did a a segment with mint shout out to mint magazine yes (laughs) if you guys don't know about it check them out it's a digital magazine that highlights and features up-and-coming entrepreneurs uh, movers and shakers and the likes so at any rate you had may mention being in new orleans post katrina or before Katrina and then I wasn't what? there for Katrina oh, and okay. that's
1: another level of guilt. It's mm. <laughs> another level of guilt. Yeah. Let's
0: let's talk about that. Why do you feel guilty? Cuz you didn't create Katrina.
1: I did not create Katrina. No, I didn't. You know actually it's so interesting because my guilt of not being there is from other people telling me that I couldn't be as I couldn't be destroyed because I wasn't there. Does that make sense? Um, because I wasn't there, people who were there would, you know, say some things to me. Like, say, for instance, perfect example: if I would go home, I, I worked for Habitat for Humanity. Like, I, I did a lot of things directly following Katrina, and some of the pushback, and unfortunately, family. You know, yeah. some of the the pushback was you weren't even here, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, so okay, were they but mad
0: I'm, that you weren't there?
1: I don't know, but when you were born and raised in a place and you go back literally every single summer, you know, like that's my home, you know, and the fact that I wasn't there 2005 in September doesn't take away the pain. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't take away the memory. It doesn't take away all the things, you know, I'll never forget it. My cousin and I, we watched it for days upon days and she was pregnant at the time. Mm. And we didn't know what was happening with our families My father was trapped at Xavier University for days and I was worried because he had just become a diabetic. He had a heart problem. Come to find out they had to swim out. Um, Mm. I didn't know. We just didn't know where so many of our family members were. And it was just one of the most. I I, I can't even articulate what that felt like. Yeah. It feels so helpless. And again, you know, I sprung. I I needed to do something. So I started a charity. I started a clothing charity called We Need Help. And um, the response was amazing and overwhelming, mm-hmm. overwhelming to the point where I had to close down the charity just because it was too much. But it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, not finding work and then starting in HTV. It's just how how I'm wired. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't sit and um, wallow in a thing for too long. I need some action. I need something to reverse yeah. that thing, you know?
0: What would you say that that's how you cope with difficulties or when you run across challenges that potentially slow you up? You as you you, you intimated a little while ago, the creative mm-hmm. comes out of you. Right. right. You, you know, so there's a difficult time with getting finding work. So you create right. NHTV. HTV. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel guilty about the new world, Katrina. And you create a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Is would you say that that is your typical pattern?
1: Perhaps you know I I like to find solutions to things, okay, and I, and, and I like to be goal oriented. Yeah, and you in New Orleans has a lot to do with that. I mean, when you mm. when you're from the Bayou, you know, it's hurricane season every year. You know, yeah. unfortunately, you know there are people. That, who will remain nameless? Who don't rem- believe in climate change anyway? But um, hurricanes did not just start in two thousand and five with no, Katrina. <laughs> no, 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 no. They exacerbated, yes, because the climate is warming. Mm-hmm. Science, that's science. Yes, um, <laughs> it's not a liberal plot. I promise. Um, yeah, you know. So when you come from a space where. You can come home and your house is flooded, and you just got to deal with it. Yeah, you can't just stop living life, right? You know because the elements, you know, are doing what they need to do. So it's that it's coming from a community where you're, you know, you have you have those lemons. Not only are you gonna make your lemonade, it's gonna be the best lemonade. Mm-hmm. It might have a, a dash of lime in it. It might have a pinch of cayenne in it. It's gonna be the best jar of lemonade ever.
0: I'm so glad you're bringing this up because. I really want to drive home to the listeners how to make that lemonade Mm -hmm. in the face of challenges and difficulties Um, for you. So a little background about me. I own a barbershop and I am a barber as well. And so I have a lot of clients or or a lot of people come through. And there's always an excuse as to why they can't, move past a certain point oh, okay. or when difficulties arise, then that becomes the excuse yeah. or it, it's all these other things mm-hmm. and not looking within. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have given an excuse when Katrina happened mm-hmm. in terms of your performance here in LA, your grades could have dropped. Mm-hmm. You could have just, oh my family, I don't know what to do. I feel guilty going into depression over mm-hmm. employment or the lack thereof at that particular time. Can't find a job. I don't have the money. How am mm-hmm. I going survive? Let me just go get a regular job. Get stuck in that. Right. The end of your education. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest or advise or, or what is your method for making this lemonade? Granted, we understand that you create. But even just mentally, if you could walk us through your process um, in creating this spicy, sweet, Mm -hmm, cold lemonade just to get the ingredients together to make this thing. When, When there's all this other stuff, maybe you don't have the pitcher to put it in and you don't have the refrigerator and ice cubes. And where you're making it, the conditions are just awful. In the midst of that, how do you build up the gumption within self to say, you know what I'm gonna pull I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull myself up and push through and I'm gonna make this anyway and it's gonna be dynamic.
1: I'll answer that to in, in two parts. Okay. so full disclosure, a lot of who I am you, you know there, there's a certain amount of privilege that I've had in my life mm. and um, starting with you know I, I went to Catholic private school for a very long time. And when you are in that environment, you know, when your parents are paying for your education, right, you you encounter educators who are very positive and will motivate you. You know, a lot of the women early on, uh, foundational education, we were taught by white Irish nuns. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was an amazing experience, believe it or not. When I tell people that, they kind of look at me with a level of shock. I, I don't know why. Well. <laughs> Well, yeah, we know I, I take I. that back. Yeah, I take that back. Duh. Um, <laughs> but imagine how powerful it is when you are in the fifth grade and you're looking at a map and you see England and then you see Oxford. And then you have someone saying, oh, you're going to get there one day. Hmm. So it's not just your mom and dad who loves you to pieces, right? So it's not just that. Right. It's, oh, my baby. It's You know, you have the reinforcement from early on educators. And then there were amazing black women also there who not only, you know, who had that, that beautiful, the way that I think of it in my brain, it was like this beautiful blend of like Renaissance civil rights activist spirit. Mm -hmm. So they brought that. So it was a very unique situation on top of coming out of very proud black space. So I, I, I need to, I need to situate it there because those, that early foundationing has a lot to do with the woman that you see sitting here, mm. you know, today. And then also the second, the second thing that I want to say is at the end of the day, everyone is an outlier. True. Um, one of the first, before I, when I graduated from UCLA and I was on my way to Harvard, uh, one of my mentors said, you need to read this book. And it was outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I read the book and it was just so amazing just because, it just demystified the idea of what success is, right? Mm-hmm. And who are successful mm-hmm. and this idea of being an outlier and, um, how you accumulate this, this, all of these different skills, right? And you sharpen your skills. And that was so profound. It, it, that book is still with me yes, because I understand that I could sit here and say, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. But that's not the entire truth. Right. It's not the entire truth, right? Right. This is how I'm built. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. There is an obstacle. I will work around it. And then not only will I work around it, I will probably beat you there. And then I will probably also be holding a martini. (laughs) (laughs) A green one. A green, exactly. You know, (laughs) vegan. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Vegan because it's green. Right, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. vegan, by the way. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> so. it, well, it, it, it depends on the day of the week. I am too. <laughs> I, I'm more of a pescatarian. Like I okay. cannot give up my crab and my shrimp. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're New yeah, Orleans. I, yeah, it's I, can Orleans. Do, I can't do it. Yeah, and I love to cook too. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, so also being from from the South uh, and your background and your exposure. I'm going to assume that you have an extremely high level of social intelligence. Would you agree?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I never thought of it that way, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, you
0: have, I mean, you teach and you have NHTV and, you know, you're dealing with people constantly.
1: You know why I hesitate? Please tell. A friend of mine said this about me the other day, and I thought it was the best compliment ever. She's like, you're so quirky, and I love it. Because I I am. I'm quirky. And what that means is that I'm not terribly plugged into mainstream. Hmm. So when you say social intelligence, like we were having a conversation this morning about the new power um, drama, the new theme song Uh with uh, Trey Songs and um, Joe. Okay. And I only know about it from Shade Room, but I never heard the song. Okay. I've never watched I've seen one episode of Power and I think it was after the beginning. Mm. My point being it depends on how you define social intelligence, right? If it if it has a level of what's going on in mainstream not as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm I mean I was just watching some weird French movie you know, this morning before right. my crew came over, so.
0: Well, so no, I'm not defining it by mainstream. Okay. I'm just defining it. That's a great example. You were watching a French movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you know about French people, but it's very possible that you may have gotten uh, snapshots or a glimpse into mannerisms, characteristics, or maybe I an see. environment, yes. and then yes. you are able to connect that should you run across somebody yes. that's French mm-hmm. and create this connection
1: Yes, I, I can do that. And, and, you know, that's such a huge blessing to be able to tra- traveling. Oh, my goodness. If you are able to do it, mm-hmm. the, it just opens your world up in so many different directions, you know. And not just being in the space, but the things that you take with you. You know, I find myself looking at news channels or things that I wouldn't have never thought of before, mm-hmm but I've had an experience in this country. Right. And right. I come back and now that's part of who I am. Like yeah. I light up like a Christmas tree. You know, it's so exciting. It's such a huge and vast world. Um, so if, if you mean social intelligence in that way, okay, yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. If it, if you meant it mainstream, that, that is not me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, oh man. And I, I, I get worried because I think it's getting a little worse because of an HDB. Um, I don't like to, bombard my own creative process with mm-hmm. watching too much of what someone else is doing because I don't want that to infringe on what I'm trying to do authentically. Uh, yeah. So that's like my whole kind of like retreat from mainstream is getting worse. Right.
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, that's good. I, I think we all should take breaks. Some of us need to just get off of it. Yeah. Period. And, and get back to the inner creative consciousness that, that we all have.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, Perhaps that's also part of, you know, coming out of a space like Harvard Divinity School, it was so profound for my life in so many different ways. Someone described it as having a near monkish experience, and I think that's mm. kind of right, because so much deep reflection happens in a space like that, and you're not only communicating with and in community with these amazing intellectuals and scholars, but you're also in community with practitioners. So you have spiritual practitioners from all over the world who are introducing you to uh, philosophies and not just in the book, but I mean, live, right right, right? right. right. That's a lived is important. It's. I, <laughs> I think
0: lived is more important than the, the theory.
1: Absolutely. So when you're in community like that, and one of the most amazing trips I ever had in my life is this trip to Nicaragua where I was able to study um, liberation theology like how it's lived, how people okay. actually live it. And it, it just did so much for mm. me, just in terms of how I live my own life and what's important to me. And when you come back with deep experiences like that, I can't say that I'm necessarily interested in what gossip is going on, on what reality show. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to throw shade at it. I'm not no, trying to no, do that. No, 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 I get it. I, you know, it's just that, you just have this profound experience Mm -hmm. and you want to live in that. You want to, you want to grow in that, you know? And so that's where I'm at in my life. Like I'm very interested in lived experiences and growth. Mm -hmm. And that's also part of my retreat from mainstream.
0: Would you say, so you studied theology. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that was the biggest takeaway for you um, in studying theology was uh, the ability to, travel, study the lived portion. Um, I mean, I don't know. What what was the biggest takeaway for you in, in theology?
1: Mm. So you trying to start a fight. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.
0: <laughs> Put your dukes up.
1: Oh, Lord. Just a few weeks ago, I was at my aunt's house, and I just thought my uncles were just going to crucify me, literally. Um, you know, it's interesting because... When you're in a space like that, you're learning so much. Mm-hmm. You're reading original documents. Mm. Yep. Yeah. come on, come on, and it's <laughs> it, it it's challenging. You know, growing. I, you know, I'm a Black Catholic. I'm from a Black Catholic city. My religion is part of my culture. So mm. this isn't just something you do on Sunday, right? This is right. you know my life. It's this is my culture, exactly. So. Learning, I, I I love the truth. I love 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 the truth. I love it more than anything, actually. So finding out, say for instance, when I saw um, the Greek version of the Bible, mm. and had having a conversation with a um, scholar uh, <laughs> about just the translation from Greek to English, and not even American English, because before it became. Translated to American English, it was translated to British English, yeah. which the British English isn't even the same it's British not English. It. So,
0: You <laughs> better tell them. Come on. Yeah. Uh. Uh. No. Nope. See, you're seeing my face. Like they're not able to see the struggle that
1: I'm having they'll, right they'll, now. They'll, they'll, I'm they'll like, see the oh, video. My. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get me beat up. But what I, the, the biggest thing that I learned was there were one of my favorite books. Uh, written by this guy, Feuerbach, who actually informed a lot of Marx's thinking, mm. believe it or not. So a lot of Marxism actually comes out of religion, which is fascinating. A lot yes, of people don't know that. Don't. Yeah. So Feuerbach was one of the thinkers that really inspired Marx. And, Mar- and Feuerbach was interesting to me because he focused on faith. So what I learned in that space was there truly is a difference between what you believe to be your biblical authority, or your theological authority versus faith. Hmm. Right. So that was the largest takeaway for me. My faith is strong. My, my, my faith is just even more. So I've seen miracles in my own life. So
0: those two biblical authority Mm -hmm. versus faith, Mm -hmm. they're not one in the same. They
1: can be, I'm not trying to put them in opposition, but what I'm saying is that you can, you can occupy multiple space. Okay. So if you're questioning, the latest, latest, latest version of the American King James Bible. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have faith. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I think that you can question, and then you could still have deep, deep faith, knowing that there's something larger than you. Yes. Right? Knowing that there are things that have happened in my life that I simply can't explain with science or logic. Mm -hmm. Right? So I didn't know that I could separate the two. Mhm. So for me that was the most life-changing thing for me to to get used to because you know, I'll keep it 100, I was already having some issues with the Catholic Church. Okay. You know, the the molest the molestations that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. It w- yeah. I have friends. Oof. One of them on seniors at my own elementary school. So this is really close. And I'm getting chill bumps as I'm talking about it. So this isn't for me not about religion, right? It's not about the institution of religion. I'm interested in the, the beauty that we take, the, the food and nurturing that we take out of religion, you mm-hmm. know, and what does that look like? And I saw it when I was in Nicaragua. One of the most amazing things that I loved was how you can have mass anywhere. Hmm. And in my my brain, I would not have never had it, a thought about that. That you can, because, in, you know, in the Bible, it says that, what, two people, that's church, right? Right, like right' two or more yeah, gather, yeah, exactly. I, I you know? am here. <laughs> so this real concept is lived. Like, well, we don't need a big cathedral or a big mm-hmm. building. We have several of us here. We can have church right here. Right. That blew my mind. Right. And for it not to be rooted necessarily in rules and all these different things, but no, we're going to celebrate, we're going to sing, we're going to profess right here. Yes. I'm like, okay, that's dope.
0: Which I believe that's how it should be, Mm -hmm. you know, because we are the church.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's when you get man involved. It's when you get rules involved. It's when you get doctrine involved. It's Mm -hmm. when you get... People's own motivations involved, you right. know. And I would be a horrible scholar. I would be a horrible person. I think if I, I, I can't know certain things. Hmm. Say, for instance, the Council of Nicaea. Oh. <laughs> yes, come on. You're speaking my language.
0: Go up. Oh, let me sit up.
1: I can't trick my brain to erase certain facts. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do I do as a Christian? Where's my nourishment, right? If it's not in these kind of mythical stories that we've been told about certain things, Mm -hmm. what do you do? What does a Christian in crisis do? Right. Right. And I was definitely a Christian in crisis. Yeah. And at that point, well, I haven't, I'm not talking about a particular, well, the point that I'm talking about is like after all the molestations. Yeah the Catholic church had disappointed me. And then I thought, well, let me spend some time in some Protestant churches. And I kid you not. <laughs> inevitably somehow the pastor would always hit on me in some sort of way. Same thing. So I'm like, okay, deuces. I'm out of it. You know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Right. Like, okay. So where's the spiritual nourishment going to come from? Mm-hmm. Where's the truth going to come from? Mm-hmm. So that's when I had to start my own journey, um, about, so while religion is part of my research, it comes out of my very real lived queries and right. interests about the world. So I guess a part of it now that I'm really thinking about it was my own crisis as a yeah. Christian trying to find certain answers. And some of those answers were not, you know, <laughs> they, they, they
0: were the truth, but they weren't the answers that you were looking yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure that even that journey contributes to your your overall stability. Mental and spiritual, absolutely. Um, because you, and again, I'm assuming you learn more about yourself mm-hmm. and that the power that you Nola has right. versus being yes segregated from the power mm-hmm. source, if you will.
1: Absolutely, because you know when the Catholic system everything is ritualized and packaged for you. You know, right. as a do you know anything about coming up through that system? Not
0: not Catholic. So, I, I came up Christian.
1: Okay. So I'll just paint, paint a brief picture for you in terms of not being able to have my own thoughts about things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we go through a series of rituals in that we have like our first communion. We have um, commitment. We have confirmation. Like all of these different things that we go through that we are super excited about to experience. And I was part of the first cohort of females to be altar girls. Cause that's what I wanted to do. So me being me, even from <laughs> I wanted to be an altar girl. I didn't understand why we couldn't be altar girls. So I got my girls together <laughs> and we made. And that you happen. made it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so yeah, this is this is innate. You was born with this, uh, th- th- the cayenne feisty, cold sweet lemonade. <laughs>
1: and I'll never forget. I'll never forget sitting in a rectory with actually, unfortunately, with the priest who touched uh. young boys. And him looking at our little black minds, like, how dare y'all sit here and want to, like, be a girl as an altar boy? Oh, no, no, no. But we were like, "Um, why can't we? We can hold the cross. You know, we can pour wine. Like, why can't we be altar girls? Um, So that was an interesting moment. Hmm. Um, But, yeah. Would you say that, that
0: that was the start of it for you? What? creating this this group amongst other girls questioning the authority mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. them telling you no you can't do it and you're looking at the the performance of these jobs and saying well we can do and right. facilitate all of these things right. what's your excuse would you say that at that moment in your your young self <laughs> mind is what kind of catapult you down this road? possibly
1: possibly perhaps I mean because I mean,
0: you still remember the story so yeah, it had an it effect was on you
1: it definitely yeah it was I mean you think about how old the Catholic faith is mm-hmm. and up until that point at least in my parish not one girl had ever been on the altar do- performing the duties of an altar boy you know so it was a really big moment in terms of was that like the NOLA moment that launched? <laughs> I don't know. But I will say I have always been able to see outside of certain boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I don't like boxes of any kind. I don't
0: either. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I get it. I yeah. understand. I don't do boxes or lids.
1: Exactly. Walls. None of the above.
0: No, no I, need, I need space.
1: It's so funny because I, I feel like my parents, in as much as they love me and they love my independent spirit, you know, at the same time, it's like, where'd this child come from? You know, because like, <laughs> I don't understand what a housewife does. You know, like early questions, like, I don't get it. Like, what? <laughs> like, seriously, and why? These, like, <laughs> these early questions, you know, as a child. Um, and even funny. like questioning my, my mama, mom, my grandmother about certain things. And she's like, girl, I don't know what we gonna do with you, you know. Like, <laughs> but interestingly enough, I'm quiet. Huh. Like you would think that I'm always, even as a child. I that's because you're in thinking. Corner. I'm sure mm-hmm.
2: you're mm-hmm.
0: processing. So I'm observing. Yeah, mm-hmm. figuring it out so yeah. you can have that next big question mm-hmm. to get the the reveal. Mm-hmm. Hence your show, the veil. You know, <laughs> exactly piercing the veil, yep, the reveal.
1: Absolutely. Shout out to W Du Bois. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because. It was fans of the show that 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 renamed it Nola Haynes TV. Because it's Nola Haynes is the veil. Oh. But fans named it Nola Haynes TV. I was like, okay. NHTV it, it, works. It works however way, you know. But that wasn't the original intent of the TV part. Mm-hmm.
0: Nola Haynes the veil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a nod to, um, to W.D. Boy's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. This idea of when you're behind the veil, someone else is telling your story. But, you know... I want to lift that veil to be able to, for us to tell our own stories. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone else telling our stories. So right. anyway, nerd stuff, but yeah, I like the nerd. <laughs> okay,
0: I, I love it. I'm love. I all in. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. Fans were like mm, TV. That yeah, works. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we okay. don't need
0: all that extra <laughs> right, stuff. Right, right. So now segue into that. So it's NHTV, mm-hmm. the veil, no, or, or I, is the veil that's just out?
1: It's just kind of out now. I'm kind of sad about it. Mm.
0: Well, yeah. you can always make a segment that is it's NHTV and then oh, this show is The Veil.
1: I like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Come on. Can I get a little right. creativity right. credit? I'll you you some <laughs>
1: producer credit if we uh, put that segment together. And, and so
0: that whole segment, see, now my, mm. my business brand. You were about to, we,
1: I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw where you were heading. I I know the look. You got a whole inspiration moment. I saw it. As
0: right, long as you saw it. I don't even have to <laughs> bore the people it. with my... <laughs> I was about to take off. <laughs> you are, you are. And then
1: you brought yourself back.
0: <laughs> about to create a business plan for you, right?
1: Speaking of, I love the branding though. Oh, thank That's, you. I was thank
0: looking you. At that. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it, it's more to come, more to come. That's right. Um, I read an article about you in the Voyage, uh-huh. I believe.
1: Shout out to Voyage LA. Yes, uh-huh.
0: thank you. Great article. There was a, a piece in there where you talked about failing in private versus failing in public. Why for you was failing privately, not saying that it was okay, but it was easier versus the public Mm -hmm. for you.
1: Well, I think in the age of social media, the stress levels are so high in terms of how you look, always. Hmm. Right. And I don't mean like your outfit, the physical, I I mean the, the brand, how you present yourself, the whole thing. Right. So it's one thing, say for instance, if we have editing issues Mm -hmm. and that's something we're fixing behind the scenes and that's something we're trying to work out. Yes. You know, that's, that's a failure of sorts that's private, but when it becomes public, when it becomes public, when you release that thing, and the sound is off and then people are commenting and the person you interviewed aren't happy. That's tough. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't necessarily enter these entrepreneurial and creative spaces thinking about that per se, that you're going to not only fail in public because of something you did, but you are also um, in charge of how someone else's brand is being represented Mm -hmm. too. Right. So you want to do that always, as you know, to the, best of your ability so when you're not able to do that and it's public you've got to overcome it do better and keep it moving that sounds simple but it's not right because right it's it, it eats away at you like especially when it's when it's your business when it's your brand you're like okay it's on me and not only is it on me everyone sees that it's on me so how am I going to reverse this? How am I going to come out of it? How am I going to re-rally my team, right? Because it's also an issue of, um, of, of esteem, you know, and, and having your team come back and ready to go like, all right, that didn't work out. What are we going to do it next time to make it better? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot that goes into failing in public. Um, it, it, it's a lot of people that you have to consider. It's not just yourself. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> and that's why I, I wanted to get your perspective. Uh, you know, I have my own stories of, in terms of failing par- privately versus publicly. Yeah. Um, for me, they both hurt.
1: Of course. Yeah. And,
0: uh, I probably scream and kick more privately
1: mm.
0: <laughs> versus mm-hmm. publicly. I gotta, I keep my game face on of course, right. and I, I, I play the role as if I'm not failing, mm-hmm. uh, so that a team or the the viewers or the audience, mm-hmm. you know, they don't see me sweat, right? But yet they see the the hiccup. Mm-hmm. And
1: oh, so you don't appro- You don't? Oh, that's interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, I you know I I go into an acting yeah yeah, yeah. so to speak, mm-hmm. and like oh yeah no this is supposed to you know this is what we're doing right <laughs> right right yeah but so my challenge becomes even though I'm putting this show on or a facade internally in my mind, in my psyche, there's all kind of destruction going on. Of
1: course. Yeah.
0: And it's, and it, and for me, it lingers mm. past, it'll be over. Mm-hmm. I could be six months, a you year out of it. Up. And I'm still attached to that moment. Like, mm-hmm. remember you didn't do this. You dropped the ball here. You didn't do this. Right. And these people, they were counting. Yeah. And there have been moments where it was very, very challenging for me to shake. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, guilt, mm-hmm. pain, somewhat depression, um, wondering if I was even capable
2: right, right.
0: To, to make it happen again and, and make it better in the future mm-hmm. because of something that happened six months, a year, right. a year and a half ago. Uh, so that that's what I was just wanted to get your perspective, right? Um, and and they both even even privately when I fail privately, and by the way, I don't even now I'm a little more mature, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little more seasoned and experienced. I don't even look at failure the same.
2: Oh, of course. Um,
0: you know, they're they're all lessons, and it's all there is no failing mm-hmm. unless I quit. Mm-hmm. But if I trip and fall, mm-hmm. I didn't fail.
1: Not at all. Right. Oh, I like this this question a lot because it ties into just how deeply I respect uh, the power of, of um, scholarship and intellectual knowledge. And I'll tell you what ha- what helps me more than anything: therapy, um, anything. So, are you familiar with critical race theory?
0: Tell me, I maybe
1: it, it's a particular pedagogy. That is geared toward uh, people of color, first generation people, to understand your physical being and your own identity in spaces like this. Mm. And what it says, there are different tenets, but some of the ones that really, really help me, and a lot of my friends that are around me, and which is how a lot of healing takes place because we, we have similar pedagogies, mm. is this these concepts that first of all. We need to tell our own stories, and uh, not only do we need to tell our own stories, but our own stories are important and they have value. Yes, we have. Yes. We have um, cultural collateral. You know, our collaterals are different. Mm-hmm. They may not be yet legacies of wealth yet, but we have different legacies of cultural and social social uh, wealth, and it's these ideas that can help me say you know what, y'all, that was on me, that's my bad, and be completely honest with it and own it mm-hmm. and not feel any kind of way about it, Yeah. right? Because there's a certain power that I have, a certain strength that I have, knowing that I'm trying something that no one around me has ever tried. I've never tried. So, of course, I'm going to mess up. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's cathartic for me sometimes is sharing those bumps not in a victim role, mm-hmm. but in a lessons learned role, you yeah. know, uh, best practices sort of role. What can I do better? And when I, when, I own, when I own the narrative that way, I don't let the destruction linger. Right. Because when you were saying that, it clicked for me when you asked me a question earlier about what do, what do I think one of the mag- magic ingredients is for me to always want to make that, that lemonade? I do not let the destruction linger Hmm. and I don't I have the language for it now I didn't have the language for it then I don't know where it comes from but I know that I don't let the destruction linger because that is that can be more corrosive than anything oh it's a virus yeah
0: a cancer Mm -hmm. at that Mm -hmm. Um, and and this is good because I think more people as you just said more people do need to hear this Mm -hmm because um, at the end of the day, we're going through the same thing. Yep. There's no new hurt, no new pain, right. mm-hmm. no new struggle. It's right. mm-hmm. the same stuff, same stuff with a with a different color, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So no, this is this is wonderful and thank you for opening up and and telling your yeah, story.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What do you think your greatest gift is and how do you share it with the world?
1: <laughs> Authenticity? I am always myself. That could be highly articulate. That can be, I can't speak until I have a latte. That can be, like, <laughs> it, could, <laughs> it could show up in many different ways. Um, but whatever that is, you're always going to get me. I I've um, I actually work hard. It's, it's, it's interesting being a woman who has a brand, Because when you're a woman, so much goes into it, you know, like Mm. you wouldn't believe like, you know, the, you know, like my makeup being put on this morning, my outfit so much went into it today, you know? Um, So you think that perhaps someone like me would have a huge uh, superficial veil, veiling of sorts, right? Not at all. You know, um, I am approachable, you know, and, and I always love talking to people, literally always. It doesn't matter how I feel. I always love talking to people. Social IQ. Social IQ. Southern girl. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Not like my mother, though. My mama, oh, my Lord, my mama can talk to a a tree. Like, oh, Lord, that woman can talk to anything and anyone. But anyway, but no, seriously, being authentic, and it it works for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it it works for me because um, I... It works for me because... It's what I want from people. does that make sense?
0: <laughs> I think so i th- i I get it
1: it It works for me because you want
0: people to be authentic yes. and sincere and genuine yes. and be their self absolutely so you get what you give
1: exactly so when people encounter it, it's almost like this 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 beautiful thing happens, you know yeah. it's like Oh, I like this energy, whatever this is, you know, I want this. So that's the superpower that really isn't a superpower. You know, it's just tapping into your authentic self. That is the great superpower. Oh God, that sounded like a self-help book.
0: (laughs) You want to do it? (laughs) Because I got an idea for that too.
1: (laughs) I don't don't think my advisor would like for me to get involved in yet another project that is not my dissertation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can make the dissertation the self-help book.
2: So
1: it has to be about the travel ban and national security. Thank you very much. <laughs> and
2: authenticity. And authenticity. Yep, absolutely. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah off- authenticity. And I love authentic people. Like, And authentic people are not always the easiest people, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they
0: may not be easy themselves. Right. Which mm-hmm. is okay mm-hmm. if that's who they really are.
1: If that's who they really are, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it, it's a fine line because... You can be your authentic self. You can be your authentic self, still sitting in trauma. Mm-hmm. You can be your authentic self, healed and whole. So there are different levels of your authentic self, right? So I bring that up because I think in this cancel culture, especially, you know, we are so quick to throw people away. Yes. And if you are really interested in um, people you're going to have to deal with them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah. You're going to have to deal with the complications. You're going to have to deal with the missteps. You're going to have to deal with the uncomfortable conversations. And I like that. Yeah. I, I genuinely like the complicated network of being a human being.
0: Isn't that where where the resolve lives?
1: I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah few more questions. Yeah,
1: I'm having fun. <laughs> Good.
0: Who is the one person you would want to interview for HD TV. I'm skipping. N H T V. Past or present? That one who's that one person?
1: Who is that one person? I don't I have several different people for different reasons and different eras, but okay, I'll try to um, I would love to present day. I would love to interview together Barack Obama and Condoleezza Rice.
2: Mm. That's an interesting mix.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I got to know why. Go ahead. <laughs> mm.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm fascinated with Condoleezza Rice as the first black female secretary of state, which is literally my, my dream job. Mm. Um, you know, we she's also from the south. Okay. Um I'm not Republican though. <laughs> um and you know, she she is a Russia expert. I'm a Middle East expert, you know. I, I speak Arabic. So hmm, I'm very fluently. Hmm? Fluidly, I wouldn't say fluently. I can okay. read and write it, but I can't speak it as fluently as I can read and write. Unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Congrats though. <laughs> Shukran. Um so um
0: <laughs> You're not just gonna say that <laughs> and and keep moving. Repeat. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Shukran. Shukran Zealand. Thank you very much.
0: Um, I need Arabic
1: classes. <laughs> but the fact that, you know, during that time as a black woman from the South and she's studying Russia. Yeah. Who's doing that? That's big. Right. And so I see a lot of similarities there and I'm so, I want to talk to her. I even tried to um, make an appointment with to go, to go see her at Stanford, but, you know, since she's still... Uh, she still has Secret Service and all that, so you have to fill out an application mm, and all mm-hmm. that. And they denied me. I don't know why, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Um, and I would want to interview Barack Obama just because I'm interested in firsts. Okay. Know? I'm interested in firsts. That's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. So that that's it would be a whole season of firsts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The veil. The veil.
0: Mm-hmm. Will be the first. You're lifting up the veil on... See. All right. Um, (laughs) What leader do you look up to and admire?
1: What leader do I look up to and admire? That's a great question because the fashionista in me has one question. The scholar in me has, I mean, another (laughs) answer. Just intersecting ide- identities all over the place, but um, you, you know the, the people who, who I look up to—they're not—they're not like big names. Doesn't matter, you know. So I I look up to the early female educators in my life. You know, those women truly had such a profound impact on my life. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Paul. Um, my eighth-grade teacher, I remember I won my first uh, beauty pageant. I wrote a poem about her because she just had that much of an impact in my life. And um, she still does as I'm sitting here thinking about her. Um, so, it, you know, the, I, I, again, going back to the real people thing, mm-hmm it's very hard for me to look up to a person that I don't know that I don't, you know? Yeah. You don't interact with. Yeah. I mean, I have too much knowledge, you know, there's PR, there's marketing, like who is this person? You know, I have no idea. So, um, in terms of just like on a base in terms of just like on a, I think that person's super cool. June Ambrose. Are you familiar with her?
0: The name sounds familiar.
1: She's a, she's a stylist and um, she just seems to have, her energy just seems really amazing. People that I know that know her say she's amazing. I'm very attracted to energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the fact that just, just like the woman who styled for Black Panther, as creative as we have always been as black people, mm-hmm. it has never been accepted as mainstream. It's always been kind of this niche, this niche thing. But when you have people like a June Ambrose, and then the other woman, her name is escaping me. I see her face. I can't remember the woman's name from Black Panther who styled the movie. Do you know how long they had to beat the pavement, Whew. the dapper dance of the world to say, yes. "Look, look, I'm here too." Yeah. See and I've me. been here. you know and, and you know, fashion is a very privileged world, and I'm not necessarily talking about the industry. I'm talking about the, creati- the creativity of it, the high, high, high creativity of it. And finally, black folks are just now starting to get you know, that, that look, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. um, and I, I, I appreciate creativity in all forms, especially like, you know, in clothes and stuff because it definitely expresses things about, mm-hmm. uh, certain things. So I am very interested in the people who make other people look good. Mm. Mm-hmm, Cause they yeah. don't, they don't get enough attention in my, and, in my book. And that's, that's a lot of responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're extremely important.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: What makes a leader great and iconic?
1: What makes a leader great and iconic? I thought a lot about that question. It's a great question. And I could I could sit here and say, well, I have five, you know, because I was going to do that. I was like, I have five things that makes a great leader. That's kind of BS. I thought about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> what makes a great leader uh, great and iconic? I really think you have to be authentic and you have to be vulnerable. I do not think you can be an effective leader, a strong leader without having a level of vulnerability because you need to connect with people that you are leading. Mm. If you feel disconnected from that group, if you feel like you don't want to interact with them, you're better than whatever the reasons are, I don't think you are being a good leader because it's a relationship. It's a relationship with you and whoever you're leading, you know, and it needs to be, And it also needs to be a mission. Mm. It needs to be something that people believe in. So you have the the, the authentic person who is coming to you and speaking to you as a human being, right, about this thing, this mission, Mm. that you all can rally around and make something happen. Yes. That's powerful. Yes. It's very powerful. And if you do not have that ability not to sell a thing. I, I don't like car salesmen. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I'm talking about genuine interaction. Yeah. You really believe in what you're saying. I, I I think that um that leader is beyond iconic. And it's interesting because I was thinking about um Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. and I was also thinking about um, Malcolm X, and and I also struggle with Dr. King in this regard. Clearly, he was a great leader. Mm-hmm. Clearly. But then there was also a level of him being handpicked for this job, too, for that job too.
2: I, I couldn't
0: agree more.
1: You know, so there's a level of he was great for it. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly.
0: Right. But it wasn't like grassroots.
1: Right. So you, I, I go between, you know, and I don't want to be this person. And I think, you know, there's this idea that if you are not the hardcore activist, if you're not on the front line, then – you know, you have no place, you have no opinion. I don't believe that, right? Right. Because Dr. King clearly put his life on the line, literally, right? Um, He was marching. But just because he came out of an academic space and then kind of placed there Mm -hmm. doesn't make it less valuable, right? Right. So I'm not trying to make a distinction about that. What I am saying is when you are in the trenches with people, you know, and you too, not too, but when you all are rallying around this idea, this thing that you believe in so strongly. It it makes the movement, I also think, it makes the movement that much more profound mm-hmm. to where people can't penetrate it, penetrate it. And that's an that's another thing too. Like I was thinking about leaders and I was thinking about that question a lot. And again, Fred Hampton, I just keep thinking oh, about Fred he's,
0: Hampton.
1: You know, like he
0: he's phenomenal if the it government was.
1: did not kill yes.
0: him yes yes yeah
1: and you're talking about someone grassroots you're talking about someone in the community and talk- young and young you know energetic authentic vulnerable mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in his community and the people that he was talking to yeah you know um yeah you know i just uh i i think about people i think about i think about people like him yeah. i think about um goodness I see this woman's face not Ida B. Wells the name will come to me Mm -hmm. but you know I my idea of a leader might be something you know a little different from other people but I I don't think that a leader should be detached I, I and I don't think that a leader should micromanage also but I don't think that the leader should be detached right um and the leaders that I've studied that has always been kind of like their downfall. Mm. When you start to think that you're no lo- that you are the movement, that you are the thing mm-hmm. that that you're, you know, then it starts to become problematic. When yeah. you stop seeing yourself as one of the people, then that's when that that leader starts to get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Final question. Mm-hmm. This is called the tabula rasa. Oh, okay. Blank slate. Now, the creative and artist that you are, you have a blank canvas in front of you, kind of like mm-hmm. this board. And underneath it, you have all of the colors you could possibly want to use. Mm-hmm. Now, you have you've done all your education, you've traveled, you got all the experience. You, NHTV is like mainstream, it's huge, bigger than life. You've made all the money you could possibly make, you've done all your humanitarian. Let's see that right again. Yeah, you made all, all of the money. The money. <laughs> <laughs> all of it, literally. There are no, there's no concerns in that department. Okay, um, which means you can do and have anything you want at any given time. You have uh, contributed to countless causes. You've created all of the organizations that you can possibly imagine. You've done everything that you wanted to do in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Now come back to this blank canvas you're going to draw, paint, design, architect your life Mm -hmm. from that position. Mm -hmm. What picture do you
1: paint? That's actually quite simple. I paint um, (laughs) my beautiful home in New Orleans with my wraparound porch that is going to be some beautiful mixture of yellow and red and wood, and all these beautiful textures, I see myself, after all those things are done and complete, I see myself setting up a level of material and physical comfort, Mm -hmm. but then also setting myself up for another part of um, the battle, so to speak, and for me, just like a lot of black spaces around the country you know gentrification is a huge huge issue and um i'm very interested in preserving my culture Mm -hmm. that's especially after katrina that's all but dying and i want to be in a space have that freedom in my brain to just dedicate my time to addressing that okay after all the things, Uh, (laughs) all the receipts, you know, that I have, the letters behind my name, the platform, all that's, you know, what am I going to do with that platform? Mm -hmm. Right. I, I know for a fact is definitely being involved in um, some sort of buying back our cities and homes sort of, sort of situation um, on on a major scale, because that's what the platform is for, right. Mm -hmm. For you to be able to do the things that you want to do. Correct. And my color palette consists of making sure that my gumbo tastes the way it needs to taste. You know, like, I'm just keeping it 100. Like, there's some other folks coming in doing some other things to that gumbo pot. I don't know what that is, but. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: you're not doing a Popeye's chicken sandwich. You know what? I did it
1: two weeks ago. I didn't even finish it. It was okay. It was cool. I mean, That's, it wasn't worth I mean, Oh my lord. Such a disaster. I <laughs> love Popeyes. But you know what's funny? I've never had the chicken sandwich. it never registered in my brain to get a chicken sandwich from Popeyes. Hmm. I don't I don't know why, but anyway. Yeah. yeah I've never yeah. been to Chick fil Chicken Chick fil A. Chick fil A. Never.
2: That's
0: my son's favorite place.
1: Again, I, going back to that quirky thing. Like it just never occurred to me to Yeah. People.
0: No, <laughs> I don't even think that's quirky. You're a pescatarian, so
1: I am, but I'm also black and so people look at me like what girl, what? <laughs> like I High-fives? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I fry my own chicken, so there, there's that. Right,
0: <laughs> right. That's that's how you do that, and you mm-hmm. can make your own sandwich. Absolutely. Get some bread out the. Fr- not the, not the white bread. That's no, be no, oh, okay. no, no, no. I said <laughs> my brain went all the way back. Like, bring it, come, get back in the car with me. Put your seatbelt.
1: <laughs> my brain went all the way back to those uh, hamburgers that your mama said she can make at home. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm. But anyway. <laughs> So
0: Nola, I want to take this moment to honor you, acknowledge you, salute you for all the work that you were doing, thank you. all that you have done for the uh, your family, New Orleans, and victims of Katrina. Um, NHTV is is great thank you. C- because you are controlling our narrative, and I thank you for that. And praise you, and all that you will do as a future professor. Um, Secretary of State, That's National Security. <laughs> well, thank you, because <laughs> all of that. And, um, yeah, you are amazing.
1: Thank you. And I truly appreciate um, you inviting me onto the show. Um, hey, thank, I, I love this platform. Thank it's you. It's super dope.
0: Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming. And shout out to Mint,
1: yes. because
0: uh, if it wasn't for Mint, we wouldn't be here right absolutely. now absolutely so you guys again check out mint magazine yep
1: i'm gonna be on a september issue so yes I'm on the cover
2: right <laughs> i'm gonna be on the
1: cover that is what a crazy day like when when you tell someone what you're doing for the day they're like you're doing what right like, i know it sounds crazy but <laughs> I, yeah i have a magazine cover shoot uh-huh um blessings. Blessings on blessings on blessings right um yes. and i'm here for them
0: that's right um, so now I want to open the floor up so you can put your information, okay. where how people can follow you, mm-hmm. um, look for your, your, the up-and-coming events or TV shows, YouTube shows.
1: Okay. Thank you. So you can find us on YouTube at Nola Haynes TV. Again, we are on YouTube at Nola Haynes TV, and that's where we have all the episodes for all of the three seasons and even some more stuff up there for you. And my social media is pretty easy to find me. Cause it's all Nola Haynes. Instagram is Nola Haynes. Twitter is Nola Haynes. However, I warn you all, I am a Uber, Uber nerd on Twitter. So my Instagram life and my Twitter life are two different things. <laughs> and then on Facebook also, um, at Nola Haynes and, um, we are starting a new segment called create your own lane, which I'm very excited about that it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's, we want to know how you create your own lane and it's actually a little bit of fun too. It's a, it's kind of a departure from the, you know, kind of heavy interview. It's just something fun. So we're still working on that and we're rolling that out and we're starting season four. We start shooting September 14th. I'm very excited. And the whole concept, uh, um, there is booked and busy. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and what we're doing, we're, we're featuring, uh, mostly women, women of color in film behind the scenes in film and television, because again, we get to see people in front of the camera all the time, mm. but who are the people making the things happen, making them go. Correct. So that's what this upcoming season is going to be about. So I'm really excited about that. And, yeah, we just have so, so much. Yeah. Sounds like a... Come on, Jesus and the ancestors. Y'all best to come through. (laughs) You are busy. (laughs) You are busy. Yes. Yes. So grateful. So grateful. So grateful.
0: Any questions or things you want to state or ask me?
1: I actually do. So you mentioned that you are a barber. Yes. Okay. You know what? I just went into full interview mode. Hold on. Let me... (laughs) dial it back wait a minute <laughs> but I'll
0: come on your show so you Please, just exactly so yeah, that's yeah this is, absolutely. this is the exchange
1: but I, I am very curious about um you being a barber though because I don't know if people know this about your job but you all are like the original therapist yeah in our communities yeah so I mean the fact that you do that and you have a podcast I think that's dope because y'all know everybody's business Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know all the things about everyone so this makes so much sense yeah and I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a barber outside of the barber world Mm. you know what I mean so it's kind of I've seen I've seen like a comedian barber but not this though I like it I like this you know Um, this this is really cool because it sorry to cut you off but it
0: was it was me being a barber that literally created this.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see that.
0: Um more so just around leadership. Mm-hmm. Because you know me, I like to think of myself as an intellectual mm-hmm. and I have these these heavy or deep or whatever you want to call it conversations with people mm-hmm. about just being progressive, going to the next level, yeah. and oftentimes people always say, well, you know the problem is, we don't have any leaders. Oh, that that's gone, yes. and, I, and I'm the first one. But what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, w- why are we waiting on someone?
1: You mean the Messiah?
0: The Messiah. We're waiting on another Martin or Malcolm or but, Fred.
1: But when I use that, I'm I'm actually being facetious. Yes, because I'm using the language, the FBI language of Cointelpro.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm using the language of them killing Fred Hampton. You yeah, know, you. Make sure that a black Messiah, another one does not resurrect. Correct. So when I say that, that's what I'm speaking about. Mm -hmm.
0: And so I say, you know what? I want to highlight the leaders. Yeah. Whether we see them on TV or not doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. in fact, the ones that we don't see, as you said earlier, they're the real ones.
1: Absolutely.
0: And we need to hear their stories and, Here's an example of, of how people lead mm-hmm. every day every and day. they do extraordinary things and they're making an impact, an impact that in fact affects all of our lives and we just don't even know or see it. Mm-hmm. So that's how lead up resurrected.
1: I love that because you're right, it, it's a trope in our community. You know, we, we just, that, somehow that's magically going to be the answer that we just need a leader. And I would argue Barack Obama was the president, but I wouldn't say he was the leader of black folk.
0: No. Not at all.
1: You know what I'm saying? so Which is to say, we cool. We got this. We can function without that one, you know, leader. And I always wonder, I know where it comes from, but then at the same time, it bothers me that we like to think of ourselves as being one thing. Yep. And then get mad at other people when they think of us as just being one thing. And you think one black person, is gonna be able to speak for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I've always had a problem with that trope. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. So that that was that was my impetus. That's for, dope.
1: Okay. I like that. Thank you. So it's it's the it's the response to where are the leaders. Right. Okay. They're here. I
0: like that. They're now. It. Thank That's you. a t shirt. Hence. The- all. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are the
1: leaders? They're here. Okay, I like it. <laughs> so mm-hmm.
0: We'll exchange info Absolutely. and you let me know when you want me to come on your show yes. and we'll, we'll knock that out.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Actually, I have a really great idea for the following season that maybe you can be a part of. I would love it because it's going to be. I, I would I don't talk about being a political scientist a whole lot, but that mm-hmm. is that is what I am. So the following the following season, it's going to be all about politics. OK, from different perspectives. Um, from different people so I think that we can probably do something very interesting with that
0: I'm all in okay please okay very cool Nola Haynes you guys hey
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much this is amazing thank Thank you, you I appreciate it oh I like them
0: Listening to Nola's story reminded me that failing privately or publicly really doesn't matter as much as how we handle the perceived fail. We must make the mistake in order to grow and learn. Let's fail forward often and fast. Embrace the challenge, take the charge, and lead up. Please check out Nola Haynes TV on YouTube and give her a follow on social media at Nola Haynes. Share this episode with as many people as possible. And if you wish to donate, all you have to do is go to the bottom of the Lead Up Podcast description and click the donate link. As always, thank you for your continued support. And a special thank you goes out to Mint Inc. USA for making this episode possible. Until next time, continue to lead.